Hello, returning happies and new listeners. This is Steve Bennett-Martin. And this is Stephen Martin-Bennett. And, and welcome, welcome to, to A Lifetime, Lifetime of Happiness. Happiness. The podcast where we take you on our journey through some of the movies, television shows, and other bits of pop culture that are helping to keep us happy, while hopefully bring a smile to your face along the way. And today, you better hide your puppies as we give you our quick and spoiler-free take on Cruella. Yes, while most of our movies get the deep dive treatment and get fully spoiled, this movie just came out and is so amazing we could not wait to cover it for you all. And like we said, we can wait to spoil it for you because it is that good. We don't want to mess up anything, so consider this our spoiler-free episode. Yes, and if you like it, reply with your thoughts on the movie full of spoilers to happylifepod at gmail.com, and maybe we'll do a follow-up spoilery episode. Oh, that's a rather splendid idea, darling. Now, let's get started. Tell me a little bit about it. Yes, well, it is a 2021 American crime comedy film based on the character Cruella DeVille, famous from Dodie Smith's 1956 novel, The 101 Dalmatians, along with Disney's 1961 animated film adaptation of it. Which we actually recently rewatched because we loved Cruella so much. We're like... Let's go back and watch the cartoon. Yeah, and for a movie that came out in 1961, it holds up very well. It actually did really well. And something that was kind of funny when we were watching it, Remy, our dog, everybody knows Remy by now, usually does not pay any attention to what we're watching on no. television or anything like that. From a young puppy where we're showing him people getting murdered through all of our horror movies. Yeah. So he he's just, very unfazed. Yeah, except that... All the dogs barking in the movie, and he's heard dogs barking on TV before, usually nothing, but whenever they're sending out the call around London about the 15 puppies being stolen, he was at attention. Yeah, he was running around, where are the dogs, where are the dogs? Yeah, it I was need like to he, save the message. Yeah, it was like he was very much like, I understand what the message is, and it was very cute. Yes, and while it wasn't the 60s, development did come out quite some time ago for a movie that just came out. It uh, was announced in 2013, and there actually was a popular myth about the filming being delayed. Did you hear about that? I actually had no clue about this, and I didn't hear about that they were even doing a Cruella movie until I saw the first still with Emma Stone in full costume. Yes, and I think that that's when people started really talking about it was later in its development because originally it was announced as a continuation of the 101 Dalmatians movies. Uh-huh. And so not a people, not a lot of people, those weren't the most well-known or well-beloved live-action Disney movies of all time for many people. So it's not like people were excited or suit like psyched for it as much as they would be otherwise. And I think I that think. that was just because it had been so long since the Glenn Close version. Now, the Glenn Close 101 Dimensions, the original one, not 102. We won't even speak about that. Mm-hmm. But the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And her performance as Cruella is stellar and should be like examined for the way she get, went all in with her whole performance. Well, so this she, was, she certainly helped with it as well because uh, she, of her performance as Krill in the first movie, she served as executive producer. So I'm sure that she helped Emma get into character and imparted some of the wisdom that she had in her role, 
hands-on. Because it has been 25 years since the Glenn Close movie came out. Wow, yes. <laughs> and so with this, the myth of the movie being delayed was because Emma Stone allegedly dislocated her shoulder at a Spice Girls concert in London where she fell off her friend's shoulders in June of 2019. Uh, although she did recently explain that the night before the Spice Girls concert, she was running in boots on a wooden floor, slipped and broke her shoulder in two places. She went to the concert with her arm in a sling and didn't go into the hospital for an x-ray the next day. So that's why it was, you know, concert followed by diagnosis. Yeah. But filming was delayed while she went to physical therapy. So that explains some of the delay. Yeah. What I love is that this was the first red carpet premiere event in Los Angeles since March of 2020. Yes, it's a sign that the the dark days of the pandemic are behind us, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. And yes, as we said, this is the third live action in the 101 Dalmatians universe. And, and it is the second Disney movie live action to get a PG-13 rating right after Mulan. Yeah, very interesting. And I will go ahead and say after the mess that was Maleficent mm -hmm. because we went and saw Maleficent in the theaters and I was super excited because us gay men, we love our villains, especially Disney villains. Cause the Disney villains, especially are known for being queer coded in some way, shape or form, which and, I'm fine with. Yes. <laughs> and so with that, you've always loved your villains. I've always admired some of the villains or had crushes or complicated feelings on the villains. And, and the trailer for the Angelina Jolie Maleficent looked amazing. It made her look like she was the villain. Right. And then all of a sudden she's the, she's hero. the hero with like not really any gray area. She was just the hero. And I left the movie angry and I just didn't want any part of it. And so when they announced this, mm -hmm. I was hesitant because yeah. Cruella is my second favorite Disney villain after mm -hmm. Ursula. And so I didn't want her to be tainted any more than Maleficent was. Right. I needed it to still be crazy. Yes. I needed her to be crazy. And was she crazy, babe? <sighs> Joyfully so. Yes. And so part of the way she got there was thanks to director. Uh, the movie was the directed by Craig Gillespie, who we know from two of his movies. We know I, Tanya, which we saw. It was so good. And it then, was my own little history lesson. Yes, because somehow you weren't old enough to understand the whole Tanya, uh, Harding, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing that w the, many of us grew up with in the 90s. I know all about it now. And he, <laughs> uh, he also did Fright Night, which we mentioned, I think, in one of our binge recommendations as a very good horror movie. Yes, because it is a remake of the 1980s movie of Fright Night. And I really enjoyed his version of it a lot. The screenplay was done by Dana Fox and Tony McNamara. Dana is known for The Wedding Date, which is the 2005 movie with Deborah Messing. Yep. What Happens in Vegas, the 2008 movie with Cameron Diaz and Ashton Kutcher, which is very underrated and is quite good. I was going to say, I don't think it's underrated because I saw the, the wedding date and I was like, meh. But then I saw What Happens in Vegas and I was like, I love that one. People don't appreciate it or no. talk about it Cameron anymore. And I'm like, Cameron Diaz and Ashton Kutcher had amazing chemistry in that. Yes. And then she did a TV show that I, I think we both missed, Ben and Kate. Yep. I don't remember it. Yes. And then Tony McNamara, we... Recently mentioned, we watched the show The Great on Hulu and how much we love that. Ugh. And so he was the creator of that, as well as a show, Australian show called Doctor Doctor that and, I'm not familiar with. And the story was by Aileen 
Brosh McKenna, Kelly Marcel, and Steve Eileen is the co-creator of one of our favorite shows of all time, Crazy, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Ex-Girlfriend. And she also wrote the screenplay for Devil Wears Prada. Yes, you might have heard of that movie before. Once or twice. Once or twice, (laughs) yes. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Kelly Marcel co-wrote Saving Mr. Banks, which is another Disney movie. Which also is something Emma Thompson is known for. Yes, and wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, which is not a Disney movie. Not a Disney movie. Yeah, it's not about crayons, not about colors. Well, it's about the color, red and the color, black and white and gray. gray. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And Steve Zysis is known for being in Jay and Mark Duplass projects, including creating the HBO show Togetherness. Yes. And so it has an amazing team behind it, which we would expect from Disney for their AAA focus. And the casting is no different. Oh, and so Emma Stone is a high caliber, just really talented actress that can do a lot of amazing things. Oh yeah. I know she gets her Oscars and shit now, but I fell in love with her with easy. A. Easy. A, Of course. I mean, and zombie land, she was phenomenal and got the Oscar for La La land Mm -hmm. as well as Birdman, which I was not a fan of. So I didn't even write it. Oh, see, I did really Mm -hmm. enjoy her performance in that because her performance was good. The movie is what I did not. Oh, see, I enjoyed it too because it, it got people remembering, Oh yeah. Michael Keaton is a good actor. But Who? whenever no, I'm kidding, oh. <laughs> whenever they first announced Emma Stone, I was like, "Ooh, really?" And then the more I thought about it, I was like, "Boy, she's got range." Yes, and you need comedic chops to be Cruella. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, she can absolutely do this." I was 100 percent okay with her casting. Yes, and what I was surprised is the the range of the writing that they were did. She was able to deliver everything that was written for her, and she did it very well. That it, it, she wasn't just crazy the entire time, and she wasn't just a villain the entire time or cruel the entire time. And it was, and they didn't make her out to be a clean hero either. Yeah, as the way I described it is, she's the anti-hero. Like, for people that watched Dexter on Showtime. Yes. Dexter was the star of the show. Mm -hmm. He was also a serial killer. Who was murdering people. Murdering people, yes. So you root for him because he's the star of the show, and his performance is really good, and the story is fun. And because he's going after people that are worse than him. Right. Now, with this, you know, Emma Stone, one of the things with it is she does go... A little mad. Yes, because while her name is Estella, that's the name she was born with. She was always known from even a young girl to be a brat and to get in trouble in school and to get into fights. And the way that her mother dealt with it, right in the very opening scene. Yeah, so this is, is not a spoiler. Not a spoiler. This spoiler. is like 90 seconds into the movie. Yeah, and she's like, don't let Cruella out. So Cruella is when she's so cruel, she's a cruel Estella, so it's Cruella. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Emma Stone had so many interesting lines that she delivered like how does the saying go i am woman hear me roar Mm -hmm. or oh darling i'm just getting started and she does such a good job with it that she sells the villain she sells the crazy she sells the gray area of the character and that's the best villains Mm -hmm. are in the gray area and most any actor that has played the quote-unquote villain will tell you 
that to give the best performance as the villain, the villain never sees themselves as the villain. They're the star of their own show, and their motivation and their actions feel justified. Yes. So the way Emma played this, even though it came off as villainous, she was heroic the entire time in her in mind. In her mind, absolutely. And she that's what sells it. Yes, and she does it so well. And nothing helps make a great hero like an equally great villain. Oh, Emma Thompson as the Baroness, who is the high-end fashion designer for England that most people know from Love Actually, Sense and Sensibility, or Saving Mr. Banks, which we mentioned before that another Kelly Marcel co-wrote so uh, emma thompson played the author of mary poppins which that movie saving mr banks deals with disney trying to acquire the rights to make mary poppins the movie spoiler alert they did (laughs) they did yes (laughs) so in this though she is not a writer she is the evil baroness and i would say she's probably one of the darkest villains i've ever seen in a disney movie yeah like a full-on live-action disney movie it's super dark. Yes. I mean, you know, there's murder at some point, And when she has to be reminded of who she murdered, it's like, what that's, you would need to be a little more specific. Yeah. That's the sign of a true villain is when you don't even remember the body count that you're racking up behind you. <laughs> and so that was with like a chilling line with the way that she delivered it and yeah. just the actions and everything. It was the perfect antagonist for, for Emma Stone to play off of, to be able to be crazy and be a villain while still being better than, yeah, because I've not seen Emma Thompson in anything that I didn't enjoy her performance. Mm-hmm. And that goes the same here. Like, she sold this performance to a T. Yes, well, she also had a blast doing it, she said, because it is set in the 1970s in London during the punk rock movement. She said that that was, you know, the, the right time, right place for her adolescence and, like, young adulthood, where she just was going crazy and so it was like going back in time for her, and she just said she loved the experience. Does that mean I can talk about the music real quick? Yes, it does. Go for it. Okay, so the soundtrack is amazing, and I do want to give a quick shout-out to Florence and the Machine, who wrote an original song called Call Me Cruella. And here's a short, short clip. Original criminal dressed to kill Just call me Cruella de Vil. So I love that. I think Florence and the Machine is super talented. But because it's in the 70s, there's so many good songs like Feeling Good by Nina Simone. There's One Way or Another by Blondie. Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash. Come Together by Ike and Tina Turner. Like you're listening to it and it's like this greatest hits of the 70s soundtrack. And it was phenomenal. And the music selection hit each scene just perfectly. Yes. And I like it really helped immerse you into that time where you're like, oh, I am all in. Now, you really enjoyed the fashion of it all because it's similarly because it was in 1970s the punk rock movement and it takes place within the fashion industry estella aka cruella is looking to 
and finally pursue the career of her dreams working for the Baroness before she realizes the villainess that the Baroness is. Mm-hmm. And it's all in the fashion world, and the fashion is just gorgeous, and especially Cruella's fashion take of the whole, the new replacing the old, and some of the stunts that she pulls throughout the movie with the fashion. And not just the fashion of the the clothes that the people were wearing, but the whole style of the movie was just so well done. Oh, yeah. Like, whoever was the artistic director, whether that was Craig Gillespie having a hand in it, or they had an artistic director that, you know, chose the color palette and things, the movie itself pops so much between their hair, their clothes, and the costume design. Yeah, yeah, like costume design. And I know that we have some other characters, but one of the characters that really popped for me was John McCrea as Estella's friend, Artie. Yes, I know that with Beauty and the Beast in our near horizons, we're going to talk about that as notoriously the first gay Disney character. But this one is certainly queer without a shadow of a doubt and portrayed in a very positive way. And I just loved his performance. It, it was amazing. He's known on the London stage. He created the role of Jamie New and Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And there's a movie version of that coming out this fall, I believe. And he was in the 2020 Dracula miniseries. But I hopefully people see his performance in this and he will be an actor on the way up. Yeah. Because he was endearing. He like he drew your attention to him in his scenes. Like I could have watched a lot of Emma stone and him in scenes together and been really happy. Yes, exactly. I want to know more about like their relationship on the cutting room floor. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, there are two more humans of note in the cast uh, that we can talk about without getting spoilery. And that's because we know that Cruella wouldn't be able to do all of this alone. She has to have her two henchmen, Jasper and Horace. Horace. And this is, so anybody that's seen the original cartoon or even the live action Glenn Close movie know that her henchmen are Jasper and Horace. And so this movie, and we won't tell you how it all happens, shows how they came to be a found family. Yes. And the fact that they are a found family is definitely the way to go with the movie. It's what makes Cruella have her humanity, even at her worst, is having that relationship with Jasper and Horace. And the actors did a really good job of it as well. I mean, Jasper was Joel Fry, who's known from 10,000 BC, as well as the movie Yesterday. Which I really enjoyed Yesterday. That's the one where everybody wakes up and only like a handful of people remember that the Beatles ever existed. Oh, yes, I do remember him in that now. Yes, and then Paul Waller-Hauser, we saw in I, Tanya. So there's a lot of crossover in the creation and acting, which is great in a movie, because it means that these people have that chemistry and work well together. And if it weren't for the relationship between Jasper Horace and Estella, mm-hmm. um, Emma Thompson's character would have come off more one note. Yes, it's their relationship that helps sell the whole movie that makes her the anti-hero instead of just a two-dimensional villain. Yes, correct. And so, the, her relationships with them help make her human, as well as her relationship with a furry companion helps make her uh, human. Her dog in the movie Buddy, who is just adorable, this mangy. Mutt that I just I want to take it to the groomer and get its haircut. And I know things. it needs a grooming so, bad, so but he, bad, but he's actually a rescue dog in real life named Bobby who was rescued 
And he had amazing training for a rescue dog. Yes. And Horace has a tiny little pet dog named Wink. And their relationship is so charming. It is. It's the cutest. And and for our eagle-eyed listeners that go to see this, there's a see Dis- it, yep, see if you can find the reference. There's a Disneyland dog reference in the movie with Wink at some point, and it is very cute. So keep your eyes and ears pulled for that. And because we don't do spoilers, but we don't want you to miss anything, stay seated. There is a mid-credit scene that we almost missed. Yes, it is. And before we hint at that, there also are Dalmatians in the movie. Now, does Cruella kill them? You'll have to watch to find out to see if that rumor has any merit to it. But I can say that I'm confident and I did my research and confirmed that no Dalmatians were harmed in the making of the film. Which I feel very strongly about because my first dog ever was a Dalmatian named Apollo that my neighbor's grandson misunderstood when I said it and called him Pongo, (laughs) which is the name of the male father dog from 101 Dalmatians. Yes, and so definitely stay in your seats afterwards because there is a mid-credits scene that nods to the 101 Dalmatians universe. Yeah. And you might have already have an idea of what's coming if you're paying attention to everyone's names in it as well. I would call them kind of Easter eggs if you watch 101 Dalmatians before going back into it. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Now, this is all we're going to say about it, but we'd love to have you say some things about it. Yes. Some, the one way you can do that is by emailing us directly at happylifepod at gmail.com or by leaving us a review on Facebook if you or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, really. We'll take the reviews where we can get them. 100% that. You can also find us on all the socials, whether that is Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And it's all at happylifepod, which is H-A-P-P-Y. L-I-F-E-P-O-D. And until next time, everyone, stay happy. You're still here, which is great, because there's something we probably forgot to mention this episode. That is correct. Each episode, as we're discussing movies, music, and games, there's a good chance we've used a small clip or two from the original source material. Yes, and those clips are not ours. We do not own the rights to any of the music or clips. They were used to help solicit a discussion to appreciate the original source material. And with that, if you are still listening, you likely really appreciate our material as well. I mean, how could you not? And if you've enjoyed this episode, then you should also ask yourself, when's the last time I told a friend to check out A Lifetime of Happiness? If your answer was not today, well, it should be. Yes, so go tell your best girlfriend about our podcast today, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening to get new episodes each Wednesday. Stay happy.